You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Now, I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 146. We are going to continue our series, Songs of Summer, and I get to introduce our speaker this morning all the way from the other side of the bay, (laughs) over the bridge. And so Brian Hopper is our speaker this morning, and he is coming from Bay Area Community Church. For those of you who don't know, that was our sending church. They They launched this campus, sustained this campus for over five years, and then just this past September... Uh, They were here, all of their elders were sitting right there, three rows deep, and they blessed us and launched us. And so I want to give a warm East Point Church welcome to our friend, Brian Hopper. Thanks, Sam. It's good. It almost ended right there. Did you see that? Didn't even say a word, and we almost finished in prayer. Let me, uh, let me welcome you. Uh, my name is, as Sam pointed out, Brian Hopper, and I'm thrilled to be with you guys here today. Uh, the Western Shore is not that far away. In fact, I had an easy drive this morning. Once you get out of Annapolis, life gets better. Of course, you all know that because you live here, so uh, I get the joy of experiencing that. Um, I just want to say, uh, on behalf of the leadership at Bay Area and Annapolis, just want to say, man, we are in awe of what Jesus is doing here in all of you. I don't know if you know this or not, but um, what you're a part of right here has actually been something that has been prayed over and we've sought the Lord for for years. Uh, Our church, Bay Area Community Church in Annapolis, it's always been part of our vision for probably the last 20 years or so that it would be a church that started new churches that would help reach new regions and areas. And so Whether today's your very first time, whether you got dragged here by a friend or a family member and you're like, church, what are we doing here? Or whether you've been part of East Point from the very beginning, uh, I just want to say you're an answer to prayer. And uh, that might sound kind of weird, like, okay, wow, I'm the answer of a prayer. But we're thrilled that the Lord has uh, not only brought Sam as our leader, the elders, but also what he's doing right here in your life. We get stories all the time and we just celebrate that. So Uh, I just want you to know that you're part of a bigger story, and on behalf of our leadership, we are just blessed. I'm thankful to be here personally, and I'm looking forward to share a little bit from God's Word with you this morning. Um, As Sam pointed out, we're going to be talking about Psalm 146, and I'm a simple guy. I'm just going to tell you right up front, I'm simple, my message is simple. Um, This is, I I hope that the Lord will use it to help just encourage you, but let me tell you where we're going to go. Simply put... Uh, I believe what the scriptures tell us and what we're going to see this morning is that you and I are called to live a life of praise regardless of our circumstances. And so I'm just going to tap on that message and we're going to look at a psalm that's going to help us get that. But if you leave with nothing else I say today, it's just simply that, that you and I are called to live a life of praise regardless of our circumstances. So would you bow your heads with me? Let me pray for our time together and we'll take a look at Psalm 146. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we just thank you. Thank you for your grace and your goodness in our life. And we thank you, Lord, that you are here, that you promise us that you indwell your people. And when your people gather, your presence is made known. So Jesus, now, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit? 
Would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, that we might become more like you, that we would become changed by the power of your word, that we would be a people who are known and characterized by singing praises to you because you are such a good God. And so to that end now, Lord, will you help us understand that and live that out according to your word? And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, just by way of introduction here, I just want to share with you, uh, I didn't do this in the first gathering, but just thought um, just a a little bit about me. I don't know many of you and you guys don't know me, and so you're taking it on Sam's word that I'm supposed to be up here (laughs) because he invited me. Um, But I'm married. I have two daughters. My oldest daughter, Abby, she's 32. She and her husband live in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, My youngest daughter, Ellen, uh, she lives in Richmond, Virginia. She's a baker, and I'll tell you about her in just a minute. Uh, My wife and I, Susie, we've been married for 38 years. We live in Annapolis right near the Naval Academy Stadium, Uh, and I've been part of Bay Area Community Church for over 20 years. Uh, I took five years, and we actually felt led to plant a church to start something like this down in Richmond, Virginia. And uh, we did that for five years and raised up a young pastor, somebody like Sam, who had a lot more energy and vision than I did, and uh, that God has been using to help lead that church in Richmond. And so um, I serve currently as our campus pastor in Annapolis, which means basically I just oversee our staff and our ministries in Annapolis to help do the very same thing that you're doing here. And so I'm privileged to be here, I'm thankful to be here, and I'm excited to share God's word with you. So um, here's here's where I... As I've looked at Psalm 146 and thought about this, do you know what I've come to learn in my faith journey? That it's really easy to praise God when things are going well. When things are going good, it's easy to praise God. Do you know when it's hard to praise God? Clearly, when things are not going that well. This past weekend, just yesterday and Friday, I was down in Richmond with my youngest daughter, Ellen, and she's a baker, and she's had her business for a number of years, and just this weekend, she had her grand opening, and we got to go down and celebrate with her this dream that she's had for the last 12, 15 years of opening up a bakery. And uh, we were down there and the customers were coming in and there was so much joy and so much love. And afterwards, when, after we worked like 14-hour days on Friday, we closed the door and we just gathered together, my daughter, my other daughter and her husband and my wife, and literally just in, in a circle, just praised God. Just to give him thanks for the joy of how exciting that was and the provision that he has done in our life. Those are the easy times to praise God. But what happens when your friend, like my friend John, just found out last week that he's been diagnosed with stage two pancreatic cancer? How do you praise God then? I think of the employee who works for my wife's company who's struggling with singleness at the age of 40. How do you praise God when you had hopes and dreams of being married and have a family that haven't been fulfilled? I think of the single mother this past week who's part of our church whose seven-year-old son drowned on vacation. How do you praise God then? See, much of our praise of God, unfortunately, depends upon our circumstances. And when they are good, we praise. But when our circumstances are bad, sometimes it's unfathomable to think that you and I could offer praise to God, even though we know we should. If our praise to God is somehow circumstance dependent, we're never going to rise above the circumstances to see the real God who you and I are called to worship. And don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that in difficult times that we shouldn't experience the emotions of hardship. We should. 
But sometimes it's like, how or why would you praise God when something is so tragic or so difficult is happening in your life or taking place in your life? But here's what I've learned. The scriptures, and in particular the Psalms, they paint a picture for us that you and I are called to this life of praise regardless of the circumstances. And the Psalm that we're gonna look at today is, it tells us a little bit as to why and how you and I can live that kind of life. This is what I love about the Psalms. If, if you read through the book of Psalms or even over the summers, you're part of this series, Songs of Summer, you can kind of jump in a little bit and you, there are different forms of Psalms, different themes of Psalms. They're not all praise, right? They're not all like worship songs, but many of them capture the emotion in this poetic and creative way of what God is doing in our life. And that helps us relate to God. It should help you and me understand who God is. And so today in Psalm 146, what we're going to see is this fundamental truth. I'll praise God every day with every breath, regardless of the circumstances. Now, I, I chose this Psalm, one, because this is an area in my own life that I struggle with and I'm, I'm learning, to, I'm still growing with learning how to praise God in difficult times. But then when I read this Psalm, I was actually thinking about this song. I'm totally dating myself here. I, I entitled, my, entitled my sermon this. I want to praise you like I should. Back in the mid to late 90s, there was a song from a guy named Fatboy Slim who wrote a song called Praise You. Okay, now I just totally lost you, right? Some of you know the song, I want to praise you like I should. It's a great little tune. And when I was reading this song, that song kept coming to mind. I don't think the guy's a believer or anything like that. But it just had this really cool rift and beat, and you can check it out later. But praise you like I should. And I'm like, this is exactly what Psalm 146 is telling us. So let me, let's take a look at, one psalm, at Psalm 146. Let me read it through, and you can follow along. If you open up your phones, your Bibles if you have them. And uh, let's take a look at what the psalmist says here. And I want you to imagine that this is like the worship songs that we just sang. Imagine some music behind this. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. Sorry, that would help, wouldn't it? Okay, hey, here we go, 146, sorry. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in noble man and mortal man in whom there's no salvation. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day his plans perish. But blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. God, who made the heaven and earth, the sea and everything that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who ex executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, the Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of who, uh, those who are blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow, but he thwarts the way of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever your God, Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. So this psalm, as we look at this, begins with this open praise. So the, um, if you go through the book of Psalms, the last five psalms of the 150 of them all start with this opening, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and end with praise the Lord. 
They are widely known as the Hallelujah Psalms because what they are trying to do is finish the book of Psalms with the information that leaves us wanting to praise God in every circumstance. You just heard Sam read from that, from Psalm 150, about all the musical instruments that we want to employ in our praise. This idea of praise literally is hallelujah, singing praise to the Lord Yahweh. Now, praise, by definition, just so we're on the same page here, praise is to actually verbally extol, verbally announce something that is good, something that is good about the object of our faith. And in this case, that is the Lord God. And so you and I are called to verbally extol, verbally release this idea of praise. And uh, the reason that we do that is that there's something that should engage our hearts when it comes to praise. Many of us would look upon and gaze upon our God intellectually and think about who he is, but those thoughts, those ideas, those truths should actually penetrate our hearts with the knowledge of understanding of who he is and as a result cause us to release some joy, some sort of praise. Now, fellas, for you guys, I'm, uh, I'll put it on myself here. That's not natural for me. It's natural for me if I'm in a Ravens game watching the Ravens or if I'm watching uh, the Capitals play hockey and especially when they lose in the early playoffs like they did, I have absolutely no problem yelling and screaming what's in here. Unfortunately, it's not very pretty sometimes. But the truth is, is like that comes natural. Yet somehow when it comes to my praise of God, I'm a lot less vocal. I might be as emotional and as passionate about that, but somehow it doesn't make it to my mouth. That would be like the equivalent of you observing your son clean up his clothes without you having to say anything, and you take note of it, but you don't ever tell him that you saw him do that. Or that might be the equivalent of like your daughter choosing not to go out with the friends that she's likely to get in trouble with, making a good decision, and you're thankful that she did that, but you never actually told her that she did a good job and made a good decision. See, when you and I withhold our praise from God, we're actually, even though we might acknowledge it here, by releasing it and giving voice to it, we're giving life to it. And the God of the heavens who has ears to hear is blessed because you and I sing those praises. And what I know is for most guys, unless it's in a worship gathering, something like this, it's not very common that we do that. Maybe you're different, but I know for me, this is something I've had to work on over the years of my life that I might become the kind of person who is freer with verbally expressing my praise to who God is. For whatever reasons, and this is a huge generalization, but for whatever reasons, I look at my wife and most women and it comes a lot easier. But nonetheless, you and I both are called to give our praises, to verbally extol our praises, to release those things back to God. The, uh, the other nature about praise that I wanna point out is Praise is always others-focused. Praise is always others-focused. When you and I sing praises to God, it's because we have an understanding and a view who God is that should cause our hearts to be engaged with who he is and actually yield that response. Therefore, it helps us to have a better or truer understanding, and the more that we get to know who God is, the more that you and I are able to do that. And so because prayers, others focus, it's like I'm seeing something in him that he's doing that's now eliciting this response through me and causing me to praise him. And so in this psalm, what we see right here in the very beginning is the psalmist makes this decision. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. 
And then he makes this statement. He says, I'm going to praise the Lord while I live. And this implication here is that, that, that he is going to, he's dedicating his entire life to a lifestyle of praise to God. Secondly, he says, I'm going to sing praises to my God while I have my being. So as long as he's alive and physically able and capable, every breath, every aspect of his life is going to be riddled to praise. Now, what is it that makes a person say this? What kind of experience or knowledge do they need to have that would cause a response that says, I'm putting my flag in the ground and the rest of my life, no matter what happens to me, I'm going to praise God. I mean, think about your life for a moment. What would it take for you to be able to say that? What kinds of experiences or knowledge would you need to have that you would say, regardless of whatever happens in my life, I am going to respond in praise to him. See, what we see here early in the psalm is that the psalmist has come to a conclusion and an understanding of something that you and I most likely haven't gotten to yet. And that is this understanding of who God is and what he is doing for us. And so we see this as we carry through the rest of the psalm. He immediately transitions to the tendency that you and I have is. When it comes to our trust, what you and I are counting on to live, help us through our circumstances, he immediately says, don't put your trust in princes or noblemen or people with power and influence. Don't put your trust in another person. If you're hoping that your fulfillment in life is gonna be predicated on the next job, the next paycheck, what the future spouse is gonna do in your life, what your kids are gonna do, like, no. You're gonna be let down every time. And you know this, I know this. So he's reminding, don't put your trust in noblemen and mortal man because there's no help there. There's no salvation there. What's going to happen to him? As soon as they pass away, they're returning to the earth. Their plans perish. So by virtue of this, he's saying, if your praise is dedicated or, or predicated on your circumstances, you're going to be let down every time because the tendency is that we're going to try to look to mankind to help us through life. And then in verse 5, we get this really powerful little it's almost like a beatitude. I feel like Jesus himself could have said this in Matthew 5 through 7. He says, the psalmist says, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. Blessed is he whose hope is in the Lord his God. Now, I love this contrast between the help and the hope that we place in our Father, our God in heaven. There's an understanding that this, the help that you and I are looking for in our life is ultimately rooted in this God who can provide, the God who can actually meet us where we are and help us in our needs. And not only is it practical in help, but it's spiritual in hope. It's future-oriented. It's not just in our current circumstances. And so blessed is the person, blessed are those who look to their God for the help, and blessed are those whose hope is in their God. So this setup, this arrangement of like, don't trust in men, but blessed he is, help, is, help and hope is in God, sets up these statements that uh, eventually reveal to you and I why the psalmist and why you and I should ultimately be able to say, whatever happens in my life, I'm going to praise God. And I can tell you, and I'll share this with you in a moment, but how difficult that can be. First off, what he does is he acknowledges that God is sovereign over all things. He is the creator God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. 
And so the understanding that God is the one, the creator, sovereign God, there's nothing that happens that passes by his notice. In many ways, he actually orchestrates all the details of our life. And when you and I acknowledge that and then put surrender, submit our life to that, there's a sense of freedom that comes along with that. Let me illustrate it for you. So the, uh, year, I lost a family member, I lost my mother to cancer a number of years ago. And uh, she got cancer and uh, we prayed immediately once we heard the diagnosis. Started praying, asking God for, uh, for really healing and deliverance and just that, that her body would be restored to its natural health. And, um, and she managed and worked through uh, the cancer for about 18 months and it finally took her life. The Lord took her. And uh, when she passed, uh, two things happened. It was, I'll share both of these with you that illustrate how this played out in my life. Because the, the ravaging effects of cancer that took a toll on her body and her life, by the time she was near death, it, she was just emaciated. It, it was not a pretty picture. And uh, my whole family had gathered for her passing days. And at that point, our prayers had changed from, uh, Lord, heal her and bring her back to, Lord, would you please take her? And um, the moment that she passed, I'll never forget my family and I in tears, we just had this huge sense of like relief because we knew that she was now set free. She was a follower of Jesus and she had placed her faith in Jesus. And we knew that the moment that she took her last breath, she was immediately in the hands of Jesus in his presence. And so that brought great joy. And so my family, my nephews, my nieces, my brother, his wife. So as we had called the funeral home and they were coming to the house and we called the hospice person coming to the house, we were outside in the driveway. This is gonna sound so crazy. You're gonna think I'm nuts. We were standing outside in the driveway of our house, joyful, laughing in tears, singing praises to God. In fact, when the funeral home people pulled up and they saw us outside just like in the night sky, just like, thank you, Lord, that she's been set free and she's with you and cancer no longer rules her body and she's got new life, eternal life. Man, those guys pulled up and got out of the van and they saw us and they were like, I th they either thought we were incredibly Pentecostal or like on drugs or some crazy, they, just nuts. And the funeral guy told me, he was like, I have never seen anything like this in my life. To which I thought maybe we are a little weird. Like, okay, maybe that's not common. But in the moment I was like, no, I was like, bro, you don't get it. Like, like what just took place is so devastating, but it, it's an opportunity for rejoicing. And the reason is, the reason is, is that our God who is sovereign and in control and rules and reigns over all things, he had a plan, he had a purpose. And it, that was really hard, but it still caused joy and praise in our life. And the reason was, is that my family fell underneath this truth. We, we've acknowledged that God is in control. And as hard as that is, we surrendered our plans. We surrendered the idea of what we wanted to have happen. And so we believe that God was sovereign and he had a plan and timing. And though we didn't fully understand it. Now, I will tell you later, we definitely, I grieved and mourned. It, it put me in a tailspin. Why, Lord, later? And I ultimately came to a place where I experienced total release. But that day, it was simply because I knew that God was there. 
and God was going to take care of her. Because, as the psalmist points out, points out secondly, he keeps his promises forever. When Jesus said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you, I'm always with you, low until the ends of the ages, that is a true statement. So I'm not sure what circumstances you're going through now that you might feel alone, but if you've professed Jesus as Lord, you're not alone. He's promised to be with you, and he is with you, and he can help you. This God also executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry and he frees those who are prisoners. And then I, what I love here is in this section, the first few verses here of 6, 7, and 8, that, it's, that uh, everything's, the, all the action steps are taken by the Lord. He's the one who made. He's the one who keeps. He's the one who executes. He's the one who gives. He's the one who frees. And then we see it again. It takes up a whole different a series where we have these, the Lord section. So the Lord opens the eyes. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He watches the fatherless and the widow. The overwhelming presence of all these verses, let me just simply tell you what it means. God is the helper. God is the giver. He's the one who is doing all of this for you and with you. He is the one who's ultimately in control and he's the one who actually has a plan and a purpose. And when you and I, in our circumstances, understand that God is still in control in the good and the bad, it's like weights being lifted off our shoulders. Sam said it earlier, he said, you know, the, the heart of the believer ultimately is to, when it's changed, when it's been redeemed, is to give praise to God. But you and I, at least I do, oftentimes I find myself looking at my circumstances, looking at the situations I'm in, looking at the hardships and the challenges that I'm facing. And those things rob me of my joy and they steal my ability to sing praise to God. And what happens is we have to come back to this view and understanding of who God is, that he, he loves you. He wants to help you and he has every means to do so. And so regardless of the, the challenges you might be facing, when we adopt that view and we live under that truth and reality, it's easy to bend a knee and surrender and say, okay, Lord, it's on you. I, I, I'm going to trust you with everything. And when you do that, freedom, praise, thank you, God. Thank you that you're going to deliver. I don't know how I'm going to get to the end of the month because I don't have enough money. But God, I trust that you have enough money and you're going to help figure it out that I'm going to, have, I'm going to make it to the end of the month. Lord, I, we want to have a family and we're struggling to have kids. But God, we're going to resist, we're going to resist the temptation to overmanage that and trust you that you have a plan and purpose of our lives, whether we have kids or whether we don't have kids. Lord, we have a diagnosis with sickness and illness, and we're going to trust you that you have the power to change the cells in the human body so that a miracle can take place and I can be restored to health. And we're going to pray with that with hope and believing. But Lord, you're good and you're sovereign. If you have a plan to do something else, we surrender to your plan because you are good. Are you with me? And you and I have to do this. This is the life that you and I are called to live. And when we exercise that that action, when we release that to the God, you're filled with praise because you know it's taken care of. But here's what we do. Okay, God, I'm going to give it to you. Amen. Now I'm going to take it right back. Okay, now I'm still worried about how I'm going to get to the end of the month. 
or whatever. Now, I'll tell you for me personally, like that rhythm right there, that happens all the time. So the goal there is like, if that's you and you do that, just don't give up. Just keep, okay, I got to give it up again. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm repenting now again. I did it again. Okay, now I'll take it right back. No. But when you have submitted your life to God and his plan and you trust Jesus with all those things, the response is prayer, or excuse me, praise. And that's what the psalmist has learned. That's why the psalmist can say, it doesn't matter what happens to me. You know what? My God is so good. He's so big. He's so powerful. He's, he has it all and he has a plan for my life. And you know what? I'm going to praise him no matter what happens here. And I think that's what Jesus is calling us to. I think that's the life that he wants us to. Why? Because it brings glory to God. But two, it's a witness to the world. It's a witness to the world. And so let me uh, share with you this passage from Romans. It's in Romans 15. And the reason that you and I as believers in Christ, not only do we have a knowledge of who God is, but there's something even more deeper, deeper fundamental to our souls that should cause us to praise God. Romans 15, the Apostle Paul's wrapping up his letter and he's providing some direct instruction. And I love this. He makes an appeal to the church, to the body of how you and I are supposed to treat one another on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross. He says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. What he says is the way you and I are supposed to relate to one another and treat one another and interact with one another is somehow reflective of the way that Christ accepted us. Well, how did Jesus accept you? Were there standards? Was there performance involved? What did you have to do to earn Christ's acceptance? Well, the answer is nothing because Christ did it all for you. When he went to the cross, he, he, he lived the life, he died the death, he rose from the grave to give, to pay the price for your sin and my sin that somehow accepts you by grace. And so you and I then, based on this passage, are supposed to accept one another with grace. It doesn't mean that we don't have expectations, but acceptance of being brought in as the body accepted as one like Christ accepted you, which is filled with grace. And when we do that, that somehow reflects this relationship that we have with God that yields itself in praise. He goes on, he says, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Let me explain what this means real quick. So the, the action step is here. Okay, you and I are supposed to relate to one another. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. We're supposed to accept one another like Christ accepted us. That's with mercy. That's with grace. That's with love. But here's what he says that Jesus modeled. He came to be a servant. He came to lower himself to take on flesh, to go to the cross, to pay the price for our sin debt and our penalties, and thereby saving us as we place our faith in him. This actually fulfills the promises that were made to the patriarchs. Without really saying it, what I believe is the psalmist in 146, in anticipation of knowing that Messiah would come one day, was actually laying the foundation for this reality. That the way that you and I live a life is to be marked or characterized by praise. 
That's this right here, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And to prove the point even further, the Apostle Paul takes three passages out of Psalms to remind us the role of praise in our life because of what Jesus has done for us. Because Christ went to the cross, because we as Gentiles have been grafted in, because we're now, supposed, we're now part of this family of God, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name, his name. I will rejoice with his people. Again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol you. Here's what the Apostle Paul's saying. When you know what Jesus did for you, the degree and the extent of his life and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave to save you and me, when we, when we get in touch with that reality that our souls have been saved, that we don't have to fear death, that we have an eternity that waits for us, like we sang earlier, for 10,000 years we're going to sing his praises. At the core of our being, the thing that we needed most is to be reunited with God. And at the very core, it's like when we accept that Jesus has done this, it only should yield in praise. So it's not only a knowledge of who God is and what he's done as our helper, but it's an experiential lifelong encounter relationship with Jesus that brings about our praise. Now, I'm not one to be the kind of Pollyanna, walk through life, everything's rosy, everything's great, I'm going to just sing praises all the time. I, I'm, I'm a realist. And if my wife were here, she would tell you, I tend to look at life, the glass is half full most of the time. And because I have that perspective on life, I have to work really hard sometimes to actually flip it and see like, no, God has got everything in control. And in the challenging times of my life, the darker days when I'm like, focus on my circumstances, focus on what's happening around me, and I take my eyes off of God down to what's happening here, I have learned that I have to go back to the place of surrender. That's like, nope, I got it wrong. Nope, it starts with the cross. It starts with what Jesus did for me. How's my heart now? Am I experiencing joy because Jesus saved me? And if I can't say yes to that one, then I just camp right there. I have to get to the place where my sin, my circumstances, the things that bear me down, do not allow or rob me from the joy of my salvation and the opportunity to give praise to God for sending his son Jesus to set me free. And I think for many of us, oftentimes, that's where it starts. It just simply starts with surrender. So today, my point in all of this, as I've read and learned and continue to try to live this out from the scripture, simply is the fact that to live a life of praise, unceasing, ongoing praise, it is the result of continual, unceasing surrender to God. Intellectually, we might know who he is and what he's about, but practically, it starts with you and me surrendering to Jesus, to turning our life over to his, our will to his will, our desires for his desires, our desired outcomes, expectations to what he wants in us. And the more that you and I, to the degree that you and I can surrender our lives to Jesus and transfer those things to him, the more that you and I get freed up and start to experience the life, the praise, the joy that Jesus wants you to experience. It's when you and I take our eyes off of him and onto our circumstances and try to control our situations, that's when all of a sudden mustering up joy gets really difficult.
praising God in difficult circumstances is near impossible. And so this morning, I ask you, how's your praise meter? How's your praise meter? Are you filled? Are you, is it easy for you to praise God in the good times and the bad, or is it challenging? Let me offer you just a couple practical steps that I've put in my own life to try to help me. The first is, I need this every Sunday. As a pastor, you would think, well, of course you have to be here. It's on Sunday and you're working, you're a pastor. But no, I actually go to church and I sit in a chair like you and I praise my God just like you do. When we sang the worship songs that we sung this morning and even the songs, I don't know if you've recognized, but we sang lyrics that said, I'm going to sing praises even in the hardest of times. Now, I know it's easy to come in here and listen to how great your worship team is and to read the lyrics that are on the screen and to mouth those words with almost no, not even thinking. But when we gather together as Christ's body and we join ourselves in in worship, we are singing praises to God. And so I want to encourage you next week when you show up and the following week when you show up, when you're reading those lyrics on the screen, internalize those things. Do you really believe what you're singing or are you just following along because it's a really good melody? See, what we want to do is we want to be the people that gather together and sing God's praises because of who God is and what he's doing. And I don't know about you, but I need that every single week. It's summer, vacations aside, we're traveling, I get it. But if you're not committed to being part of East Point Church here on a regular basis, I want to encourage you to do it. And if it's not here, find another church. But find some place that you can worship together in, uh, corporately so that we can sing God praises together. That's the first thing. Second thing is I've had to learn how to do this personally. And the way that I've learned to do this personally is, believe it or not, is actually in my car. Now, I love driving and Annapolis traffic is just... I hate it. <laughs> you know, from 4.30 to about 6 o'clock, you're not driving, you're parking. And so I just sit in my parked car while I'm sitting in traffic, going from traffic light to traffic light. And it's very easy for me to lose sight of like, okay, how do I sing praise in the midst of knucklehead drivers in traffic? It's just a hard time for me to do it. But what I have learned and what I've been practicing more lately is during that time, I try to turn my gaze away from what's happening on the road, not literally, but intellectually, because <laughs> that would be dangerous. Um, and turn my attention to what God's doing above me. And so as I look out the windows, I'm looking to the sky, I'm thinking about what God is doing on a grander scale, and my heart begins to praise God. So I've had to find a place and a time for me personally to offer up my praise to God. And I do that out loud. People driving by me, they don't know. They think I'm having a phone conversation with somebody. But I am verbally talking by myself out loud in my car, praising God for what I'm seeing out there. And since I have been doing that, like it just brings joy. All of a sudden the traffic doesn't become such a bad thing or at least a lesser thing. I'm able to be more gracious to people on the road. But that's my time, that's my space because I spend quite a bit of time in the car back and forth. So I I do it corporately here. I do it personally. I've been trying to put that in my life. And then thirdly, in my community, I have a missional community that meets on Wednesday nights. And uh, one of the ways that we start off every week is we ask this question, where do we see God moving in our midst? What can we celebrate? Where do we see Jesus? And we literally take the first 10, 15 minutes of our time together and just give thanks and praise to God for what we see him doing in our midst. Not everybody talks all the time. Sometimes it's just one or two people. Oh, this week this happened. 
But I'm telling you, like that practice, coupled with being here on Sundays and in my own, in the car by myself, it has helped change my life so that I might become more the kind of person from a praise perspective, like what I believe is what Jesus is calling us to. If you're not experiencing that kind of joy, if you're not experiencing that kind of, that just random praise, I want to encourage you to take some of those steps to do that. Ultimately, what I believe is Jesus wants all of us here to gather every week to sing his praises. And as we're filled up with his spirit here, it's when we go out there that all of a sudden the praises begin to look different and sound different to a watching world who doesn't believe this. And I think one of the best apologetics to our faith is simply living a life that demonstrates our trust and faith in God that's exhibited through our praise to him because of who he is. And that's what we long for. That's what Sam, the elders, the leadership here desire for East Point, that you all would be the kinds of people that would live here and live a life that demonstrates the truth and reality of who Jesus is through praise. And I'd love to see that happen for you. So would you just bow your heads with me? Let me pray that over you as we prepare to leave this place and go back into the world. Let's ask Jesus to help us in this area, shall we? Holy Spirit, we, um, we come before you, Lord Jesus, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, by the, your power that dwells inside of us, that, Lord, you would help us release our circumstances and our control to you. That, Lord, our belief and understanding of who you are would cause us to trust you with greater measures of faith. That regardless of our circumstances, that you would lead us to a life of praise. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. And thank you, Lord, that you gave your life for us as a sacrifice to set us free. And I pray, Lord, for this body, this church, that, God, you would do something so profound, so significant here that the entire shore would scratch their heads in wonder and amazement in awe of your power being lived out in a people who praise you unceasingly and unending. We thank you, Lord. Make that a reality for each of us. And we pray this in your mighty name and all God's people said. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.